The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome back to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I'm Eric Deutsch. And I'm Molly Balin. And we have a very special guest today. Uh, we have our Chock Full of Nuts contest winner. That's right. We have a winner. It is Daniel Gian. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you guys for having me here. Well, we I'm thank you very I- much. <laughs> going to say i'm uh glad i actually won something for a change <laughs> are you usually not a lucky person uh no um i in college went to a bingo night that we had and there's myself and three other people and i was the only one not to win anything oh, no. <laughs> so this is a nice change uh, well we are happy to serve and let me tell you it was not easy for Daniel to win this one. We got such an incredible response. We really should have... I, I really, you know, I did this totally as a goof, and I really should have gotten tons of money out of Chock Full of Nuts for the promotion that we did for them. Uh, okay, fine. I, I, I'll, it, Daniel was our only entrant. We actually... It's a good thing I didn't actually try to get sponsorship uh, because it, it would have been incredibly embarrassing. That's right. Daniel really actually was the only person who sent us uh, a photo. I'll take it. <laughs> and he sent us two for good measure. Just, you know, he wanted to be sure that he was the winner. And so he even sent a second one when no one else sent any. So he, he's a double winner in the uh, in the contest. Uh, and uh, before we get into the minute, uh, what you were telling us uh, in the green room before we started, you actually indeed are a coffee drinker. I am. Um, I've... Drank chock full of nuts on a semi-regular basis, um, just mixing in with my rotation of coffees. So when I heard the contest, I was like, oh, I'll just go to my pantry and send, send in a picture of that. Yes, I will post the two winning photos in the Facebook group. But uh, it is that second photo of your actual pantry with the chock full yes. of nuts. Wow. Yeah, the uh, the first one, I was just doing some grocery shopping. I was like, all right, click and, uh, you know, snap the picture. And then the second time, I was like, you know what, this is grab something out of the pantry and take that picture too. Awesome. Well, Molly, so uh, it is, you, you kind of got half your wish. It is someone with the chock full of nuts in their home, but not an interesting use like you were hoping for. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping that you'd stash your weed in there or something, but I think that it's great because, I mean, I didn't even know it was real until like six months ago. So, you know, the fact that it, it is an actual thing and actual real coffee and real people drink it is, is all quite shocking to me. So it's just, you know, Hey, every day is an adventure and bends your reality. Um, I'm kind of curious, uh, what part of the country are you in? I'm, uh, in the East coast. I'm actually outside of the location of the, um, frequently mentioned throughout the movie Hartford summit. Oh, uh, ah, just outside of Hartford, Connecticut. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think we just goofed on Hartford the other day, didn't we? We did. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> no, no apologies necessary. The city is not. Uh, it, the city is actually more like the New York prison than an actual nice city. Ooh. So yeah, it should not be stopping there then when I'm visiting family in New York <laughs> in spring. I mean, the downtown area is okay, but like that's like a three block radius. And then once you get outside of that, you definitely want to, you know, be careful. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's exciting. Oh, well, I I mean, I'll say like driving through the city sometimes. Yeah, it can be exciting because, you know, your heart rate gets going and, you know, you're like, all right, where's where's the quickest way out of here? Oh, no. (laughs) It's like driving down Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you made it. Okay. And, you know, got your coffee. And thank you so much for entering the contest. It's awesome. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, yeah, we're in minute 98. We're in the next to last uh, minute of the credits here. We start with Maurice Costello, the nurse. We end today's minute with Aaron Lipstadt, the associate producer. And um, as far as Maurice Costello, the nurse goes, uh, I've, he has an interesting career. If you look him up on IMDb, he only worked on eight movies as either a nurse or a medic or doing first aid. And six of those eight had something to do with John Carpenter. And then he didn't work for a while. And then he just did two more movies and they were both Adam Sandler movies, Anger Management, and I pronounce you Chuck and Larry. And that's it. That's his entire IMDb career. Yeah, the, the only one of those I've actually seen in theaters is I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not see that, but I was once walking through downtown Brooklyn, uh, and they were setting up to film outside Brooklyn Borough Hall. And having never seen the movie, I don't know what scene was shot, but all the signs were up that said, you know, no parking, filming you know, the, the vehicle will be called, and now it's pronounced you Chuck and Larry, and they were all set up on big steps. And uh, I went home and Googled it, and, it, and I saw, oh, Adam Sandler will be marrying uh, that guy from the King of Queens. Okay. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> no, no. I do love, though, and I know this comes up a billion times, you know, especially in the credits, but I just, I, I find it endlessly endearing the how many different crew members do follow John Carpenter. Like they find people that they like and want to work with and it's just rinse repeat. And I love that this guy who's, who's basically the nurse and like the nurse's job is kind of sweet unless there's something really like heinous that happens, but like they pretty much just chill on set with a bag in case something, you know, some kind of medical urgent thing happens. But the fact that this individual was just like, yep, you know, you worked really well for escape from New York and we'll just have you come back for all these other movies. Cause you did good and you're available. I think it's very endearing. And uh, I think it actually kind of speaks to the quality of Carpenter's movies during this era that he's keeping the same cast and crew for a number of them. Uh, you, you look at, I mean, yeah, Halloween two, he wrote and did the score if he didn't direct it, except for some reshoot, some reshoots. Um, from there through Prince of Darkness and They Live, I mean, that's like Pete Carpenter. And They Live is, by some people, considered his best movie. Um, mm. But you can just see that, you know, you know, from the start of his career through the end of the 80s, he was trying to keep some consistency on his crews and the quality of his movies speak to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I totally dig it. Absolutely. Yeah, the next name in the credits, Eddie Lee Volkner, the transportation coordinator, John Carpenter guy. IMDb, tons of John Carpenter movies. I am going to call out Tom Thomas. And I literally just looked up Tom Thomas because I was like, wow, that's really rough. Like, you pretty much have like the first, your first and last name are almost the same. But the, and he's a transpo captain, but he ended up being like this prolific transpo guy. 
Like he's in IMDb as Tom F. Thomas. He's also known in some of these movies as Tom E. Thomas, as well as Tommy Thomas. And the man has had a long line of credits, like crazy long line of credits, like all the sleepover movies from the late 80s to early 90s. Like he had One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Halloween 3, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Throw Mama from the Train, The Great Outdoors, Beaches, Pretty Woman, Sleeping with the Enemy, Sister Act, Con Air, Vampires, Runaway Bride, What Women Want, and a shitload of CSI Las Vegas, which, by the way, has been on for like, or had been on for like 15 years, which I think is amazing. But yeah, it's incredible, like the the roster, you know, that this guy has had over the years. And you mentioned Vampires. That's another John Carpenter movie. Yes. Indeed. With the great James Woods. Yes. And- yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the, and the uh, uh, greatest of all Baldwin brothers, Daniel Baldwin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, the actress that plays uh, Laura Palmer in Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah. The uh, basically the the corpse that sparks the entire series is uh, is in that movie. Now, Daniel, I know that um, we covered this in uh, the previous minute because uh, it, it popped up on the screen at the end, um, but it technically was also on the screen depending on where you freeze the frame in this minute. So if you want to get into it, I know you mentioned that you were you looked into some uh, interesting catering, movie catering craft services uh, notes. Oh, uh, yes. So I wanted to have, get into, um, since the, we're, yes. we're moving into the minute, but I know you had some stuff you looked up about that. Oh, yes. Yeah. So um, Louis uh, Chirko, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, um, is a craft services member uh, or led craft services. Um, his credits also include Real Men and Rocky II. Uh, which I thought was pretty impressive, especially oh, Rocky II. And, um, and then you also have two other individuals. There's Bert Jetter and Juan Betancourt, credited as Meals. Mm-hmm. So I was just a little curious. I was like, do you guys happen to know what the difference between craft services and meals are? Would craft services be the people that set it up, and then meals are the guys that actually prepare it? Not only do I not... That. Yeah, not only do I not know the answer to that, but I literally in my notes have the same exact question that you just asked. <laughs> How is meals different from craft services? My, my guess is that meals would be the guys that prepare the meals, right? I mean, that's, I, why else would yes. you be credited as that? Well, I think yeah. one is like caterers. I think, I mean, from my experience on, and and I don't know, it might be different from set to set, but there were different people who made like lunches and dinners than the people who had craft services and craft services was like standing snacks. It's like a buffet of like stuff that just hangs out there all the time for you to eat. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. I think I'd want to be the craft services guy. (laughs) So Molly, then let me ask you this because there is a bar a block from where I live where they have filmed a couple uh, scenes from a couple of different Liam Neeson movies. I guess he likes that bar or something. I don't know. <laughs> and I, when I've walked by, they have the craft services table set up outside. And, you know, I mean, it's a public street. It's it's not like it's a closed set or anything like that. How how, how easy would it be for me to just kind of like walk by and be like, yeah, I'm, you know, the fourth gaffer person and just like grab a plate of food? Honestly, probably pretty easy. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's so many people on set. There's extras, there's crew, there's so many people. And if they're not doing a great job of, well, you know what, I'm I'm being judgy. I shouldn't say they're not doing a great job. I have no idea because New York is its own animal, I think, with filming. And, 
you know, permits and, you know, obviously there's a thoroughfare and people still got to do business. And, you know, if they haven't really cordoned that off and you've got like food out, man, kind of fair game. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm doing it the next time then. Get yourself a burrito, man. I'm just saying like. (laughs) I've actually been filming some like Hallmark movies around here. Not in Hartford, as we established, the number place for Hallmark movies. Oh, no. But in the surrounding towns, they've been filming them. So I, I might have to try that, just like walking by and be like, oh, yeah, I, uh, I know the, uh, the assistant to the gaffer over there. So You know, Eric, I'm going to ask you this now because it's coming up. So I'm going to do a slight digression, yeah. but it's related. And I wanted to ask you this. But is it because it, it's a really different experience, I think, if you don't grow up in New York And there's just so much media that's filmed there. And I was just really curious about, like, as you're somebody who's, like, a, like, honest-to-God native and watching movies for, you know, your whole life, like, if you could talk a little bit about, like, what that's like for you and what your relationship is to seeing things that are basically made in the town that you live in and what it's like to have that made in your environment on a regular basis like you're coming home and there's like a bar near you and there's craft services out that's a very unique kind of an experience that a lot of people in the country really don't you know get a connection to yeah um the 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 first reaction is actually it's it's kind of annoying um most of us (laughs) most of us new yorkers are are annoyed by the the constant filming because it takes up parking spaces and they close off sidewalks and there's the you know the trailers are in the way um i mean i know for some i don't know why but in the last few years my neighborhood in brooklyn it's called bay ridge more and more uh productions are filming in my neighborhood and i'm not really sure why um like i I don't watch the show but there's the tv show blue bloods i guess the house that tom Selleck's character lives in that house is in my neighborhood and like (gasps) i mentioned no way yeah (laughs) Uh, and I mentioned the, the Liam Neeson movies, and there's, there's been some other stuff. And whenever it happens, and they, they take over several blocks of parking, you know, parking sucks around here anyway. So the local Facebook community boards then just explode there and saying, "Oh God damn it!" There's you know another three nights without parking, and uh, we get we get very angry about the lack of parking. Um, you know, it's 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 still as a movie lover and taking away the the inconvenience to my day-to-day life uh it's it's pretty cool to see i mean i've walked by i've never actually seen an actual um scene being shot i've seen scenes getting set up i've seen the extras standing around board i've seen a couple of well-known actors like on set getting ready i've never actually seen the actual like you know all right rolling action whatever like that and it can run the gamut. It's a lot of TV shows. It's a lot of movies. There's commercials. I once was stopped from crossing the street because they were filming a Pennzoil commercial. And I was like, Pennzoil? Are you kidding me? It's not even a... Who cares? <laughs> um, so it's it's a mixed bag. It's like it's kind of cool to see. But yeah, it's also a bit of an inconvenience. I, the, the, yeah. Oh, no, I was going to say, um, I could speak to that for a little bit. Um, I worked in New York for five months a few years ago. And in Brooklyn, actually, uh, in like the downtown area by uh, J Street and the mm-hmm. Metro Tech area. Yep. And they were filming the pilot of that Kevin Bacon show following that was on Fox. Okay, yeah. And that was such a huge inconvenience. And <laughs> the, whole, the, whole time, the whole time I was thinking, man, I'm really glad I don't live in New York full time because I'd be so pissed off all the time. <laughs> Well, I have my my favorite story of that is when I was going to be moving from 
Queens to Brooklyn to move in with my uh, eventual wife, I, you know, obviously I, I booked the U-Haul and I, and I had the day I was going to move. And the day before I go outside and my whole block and the surrounding blocks are papered with, uh, you know, there will be filming here tomorrow, you know, no parking for the movie um, Super Super Girlfriend, Super Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, man. I, I, oh, I don't know like, that movie. Like 10, 15 years ago or something like that. Uh, the Uma and, Thurman one? Yes, yes, yes Uma yep. Thurman one. And, uh, you know, and they, they always put a phone number on uh, for location services on, the, you know, if you have any questions, call location service. So I called up and I said, I'm moving tomorrow. I have a U-Haul that I have to park outside my building. And I can't not park the U-Haul outside my building. And I want to know how you are going to accommodate me. Because I'm not not parking just because you're filming a movie. And the woman's like, oh, okay, yo, yeah. Well, I completely understand. I'm sure we can work out. Yeah, uh, let, let me call you back. And then she called back a few hours later and said, oh, you know what? That specific block we're not going to need anyway. So, you know, uh, don't worry about it. But I, I didn't care if they did. I was moving. And I wasn't. Uh, the U-Haul had to be outside my building, you know? Uh, I was coming in with that truck no matter what. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they would have to pay you. I mean, that's like, you can't really completely adjust your life for free for no good reason. But that's crazy. Like that, they just, there was no notice in that. Usually they're, usually they're better about that, you know, like give yeah. you, you know, yeah. like a couple weeks or a month's notice just well, for that no. reason. And, and considering, yeah. I'd say it's never more, I th- the most I've ever seen advance notice posted is like four or five days. Damn. Uh, they, they don't, they, it's definitely not two weeks. Wow, I feel like they're better about it in Portland because we've had a couple of things filmed here, and um, there was a Timothy Hutton TV show that was, or, yeah, it was like a MacGyverish kind of a thing. But yeah, that was filming here all the time, and I feel like they they were better about doing some location stuff around town. But maybe because we're just a, a smidge more provincial. But yeah, <laughs> that's that's crazy. Uh, and I just know that you're. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Oh, maybe they just know that you're always inconvenienced in New York with filming, so they just don't really care. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) you're used to it. (laughs) I mean, you know, the other side of the coin, the people that support it say, hey, you know, it brings in tons of money into the economy. And isn't it great seeing your neighborhood, you know, when you're on the screen or something like that. But, you know, when it screws up trying to move or takes away a parking space. Yeah, not cool. I I think that the the uh, the celebrity sighting on a set that most stands out is I was once walking somewhere in Manhattan. This was years ago when Law and Order was still on and Jesse Martin was there and they were in between shots, I guess, and two women who clearly were just women that were walking by must have stopped to say, Oh, you know, hi and, and he was talking to them and you know, they had that look on their face like, Oh, we're talking to Jesse Martin and he had a look on his face like, Hey, you know, these two women are look talking to me and I just was like, You Famous, good-looking bastard. <laughs> you don't even have to try. You just have to stand there. <laughs> Maybe in another life. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Do you guys have uh, any other folks from? Oh yeah. That you like to call out? I mean, there's yeah. We're I, we're, we're sure. The tip I, like of to, it. I got one. Uh, I like to call out Jack Buckley, the accountant for the movie. Mm. Uh, partially because. Um, I'm an accountant by trade. Uh, ah. That's my day job that I actually do. Um, and also, he must not have been a very good Hollywood accountant because it's well known that this movie turned a pretty good profit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
did he end up having some other credits? Because then, I, I mean, my thought was like, well, if he didn't come back again, maybe he just like took the money and ran. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't look that up. I just basically saw that and thought of the joke instead. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, I'll call out Marv Salzberg next, the construction foreman, and uh, he was a construction coordinator on Glory and Misery, which are two of my favorite movies. Mm. But then, interestingly enough, he went 10 years with no credits at all on IMDb, and then suddenly this year, he's got, for the first time ever, he's listed as the prop maker foreman, and it's going to be on uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, which came out earlier this year. Hmm. Okay. I mean, that was a very CGI-heavy movie. How many props had to be made? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did a little research just now, and this was Jack Buckley's last movie as an accountant. (laughs) Oh, there we go. Hopefully he's on the beach somewhere. (laughs) 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 Uh, I was going to call it Serge Genetempo, who is listed as a standby painter. And I was like, what the hell is a standby painter? And basically, you do pretty much what your title says. You stand by to quickly paint anything that needs a touch-up. So you basically hang out on set, and before each shot is filmed, you just check in with the cameraman, make sure they're getting a good, clean-looking shot. And uh, that's pretty much what Serge has been doing. I'm going to call out a few of the the uh, credits he has. Um, he did Halloween 2 and 3 and H2O. Uh, <laughs> three of the Police ca- Academy movies. which yes! maybe All of them, 1, 2, and 3. Uh, he did Alien Autopsy Factor Fiction, and I just threw that in there because I thought that was funny. Uh, Shanghai Noon and the TV shows 24 and a favorite of mine, True Blood. Very nice. There's uh, Sid Stembridge, the weapons advisor, whose other credits include First Blood, Rambo 3, and then it looks like a, a Rambo short film called Suiting Up, Rambo Survival Hardware, and then Kill Point and Waterworld. Ooh. Ooh, Waterworld. Ooh. Man, I'm... No, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that I think, uh, you know, Waterworld is one of those movies that's developed a cult following over the years. Um, you know, it was so well known at the time of its release as being so expensive and such a big box office bomb. But I think over the years, people like have come to appreciate some of the camp that's in it and just some of the over the top set design that uh, you really don't see this. You know, in this day and age, especially with how CGI-heavy movies are now versus the practical effects that were used then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Waterworld is, it gets a... There's a lot of just mediocre movies. I didn't think it was as bad as people really... I think they gave it a harder time than it deserved. Yeah. I mean, it's not the fun thrill ride that a big trouble <laughs> China is, for yeah. example. Um, <laughs> you know, you can see some, kind of like a similar trajectory where like it was... Like, Big Trouble in Little China, another John Carpenter, Kurt Russell collaboration, was a complete failure at the box office and was lambasted. And it's over time that it's become this very popular, very well-regarded cult classic movie. So I, I think, like, Waterworld is a little late to the game, but it's starting to get that kind of reputation as far as being a better-regarded movie. Mm. So, next week on Waterworld Minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure that's going to come about. Oh, I'm sure it is. Someone's got to do that. Uh, I'll call out next Don Borchers, the Avco nominee. Now, Avco was is one of the production companies that made this movie. I don't really know what a nominee is for 
the production company. Um, so without knowing it, I'm simply going to make a big assumption that he was the guy that Avco sent to stand around and say, that costs too much money. You're taking too much time. What the <laughs> hell is this? I'm calling back to the home office because we don't like this. And I'm just going to go with that. Yeah, it feels like a hall monitor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wondered about that, too. Uh, but I, th- I think I'm going to I'm going to co-sign uh, your theory on that. Um, I'm going to call out Frank Capra, the third assistant location manager. I was like, Frank Capra sounds kind of familiar to me. And that's because this guy is the grandson of the director, Frank Capra. And, uh, cause at the time of this taping, we're, you know, in, uh, the, the holiday Yule Christmas Hanukkah season and, uh, Frank Capra's known for a wonderful life and Mr. Smith goes to Washington amongst others. Those are the two that I think he's, he's highly famous for. Uh, Frank Capra the third is uh, got a bunch of credits uh, for, as second assistant director on Star Trek IV: The Voyage Home, uh, Warlock, which I just think is awesome, um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Navy Seals, Bram Stoker's Dracula, My Cousin Vinny, A Few Good Men, The Devil's Advocate, Cop Out. I put Cop Out in there just because I'm a big uh, Kevin Smith fan. Uh, Drive and the Fate of the Furious. If you guys are a fan of that franchise at all. They're entertaining. Well, you know what I'm about to say. You've never, never seen, seen them? Never seen any of them. Really? Yeah. Not a one of them. Not even nope. Not even drunk in Tokyo Drift. Nothing? No. <laughs> <sighs> well, now that uh, you're close to the end of analyzing this movie minute by minute, maybe you can catch up on some of these other movies that Molly's been suggesting. <laughs> <laughs> That could take me a whole year. Oh, wow. And there's a bunch that we have in common, too. Like, I, I know this has come up a couple times. Like, I finally just got pissed. I was like, just send me a picture of your DVD collection. <laughs> I just need to know that you've seen movies before and you're not like a subroutine in a computer somewhere <laughs> that Brad made. <laughs> and there's a ton we have in common. We actually have, like, incredible overlap and favorites. Yeah, yeah there is. Yeah. Never get mentioned. <laughs> Uh, so the next thing that I want to call out, uh, this is for all of us Mets fans out there. This one is really wacky. So <laughs> Matt Franco is a listed as assistant to the assistants, which is a weird enough uh, credit as it is. But Matt Franco is the son of the producer of this movie, Larry Franco. Larry Franco is a longtime successful producer. And he was also married to Kurt Russell's sister. So Matt Franco is Kurt Russell's nephew. Now, he would have been 11 years old when this movie came out, and so I'm assuming that means that he probably was hanging around the set with his dad, the producer, and they decided to stick him in the credits as assistant to the assistants. Now, Matt Franco would go on to be uh, a, a Major League Baseball player, including for my beloved Mets, and he had a very famous career highlight where he hit a walk-off single in the bottom of the ninth against uh, Mariano Rivera. For anyone who doesn't follow baseball, he's a great closer who was on the Yankees, and the Mets live in the shadow of the Yankees, so it was a it was a big deal for them to win that game, and that's what he's most well known for. And I, until I took notes for this minute doing this show, I never knew that this was Matt Franco, the Mets baseball player. See, that's crazy because when I, I I didn't know any of that context, that's amazing. I just thought that that was the best 
credit Everest is into the <laughs> assistance, and that is his only IMDb credit. So I was like, what's this guy's deal? It's like, oh, he's a badass, actually. <laughs> he's got a ton of ties to the movie. So thank you for doing that research. <laughs> I, as a fan of the show The Office, I just really enjoyed the credit he was given as assistant to the assistants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I would like to call out the special effects team from New World Venice. Since uh, I know you guys had talked about a famous director that worked on this movie. Uh, James, credited here as Jim Cameron. Even without knowing that Jim James Cameron uh, worked on this movie, I've always been fascinated by the mat work that you know went into this. Uh, there's that scene, obviously, where uh, you see the helicopters flying over uh, towards Manhattan Island, and you see the in the foreground, the bridge with the uh, couple guards on it, and that's a matte painting, and it's just beautiful. Um, I think today, you know, matte painting is such a lost art, and it's one of those things where um, you you look at it and you think, how were they able to film something like this? And it's because of people with talents to do something like matte painting. So James Cameron is not the only one that was credited as a matte painter on this movie. You also have uh, a couple other individuals from New World Venice, if I can find them. Uh, yeah, there's Jenna Holman and Bob Skotak, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Uh, I just want to you know, give a shout out to the work they did. I think it was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really great stuff. And, and, and a lot of the people here in the visual effects section went on to do some really incredible stuff. Um, the Skotaks, Bob and Dennis Skotak, who are both listed here for a couple of different things, Dennis is a visual effects director of photography, and as you said, Bob Matt artwork and also did visual effects supervising their brothers, and they're both multiple Oscar winners. Uh, Dennis won Oscar for visual effects for The Abyss. Bob won the Oscar for visual effects for Terminator 2 and Aliens. Um, and they basically work together for the most part, and they did a lot of stuff with James Cameron. So much like John Carpenter carried a lot of people with him movie to movie jim cameron obviously carried a lot of people with him after this movie they did aliens the abyss titanic uh dennis skotek also worked on x-men 2 and batman Returns. so again you know as we talked about in the previous couple of minutes of, of the credits molly a, a lot of people early on in their careers on this movie that would go on to really long successful careers oh my gosh yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome actually i don't normally like going into the credits because I'm like, oh my god, the credits, the credits. It's just <laughs> a, it, an endless abyss. But I think for this particular movie, it's been especially interesting to really get some like 80s, 90s history and to see how many of these people went on to really make movies that I just really love, you know, and have these went on to have like 40 year, you know, just completely badass careers. And then you have someone like George Dodge, uh, who is one of the other DPs in special visual effects. And um, the only IMDb credit from him that I wrote down, he had others, but this one really stood out because he was the cinematographer on a documentary with the title Call of the Wild Sex in the Animal Kingdom. (laughs) That must have been a fun one to shoot, uh, eh, Georgie boy? Oh, man. That's That's impressive. (laughs) <laughs> um there's brian chin who did the miniature construction on this movie um 
the miniatures obviously played a big role. But if you look at his other credits, uh, he was actually a storyboard artist for a number of cartoons in the late 80s and into the 90s, including G.I. Joe, uh, Super Mario Brothers, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. But probably the one that really stands out to me is Batman the Animated Series. Mm. Which, uh, everyone should be aware of is one of the greatest cartoons ever produced. Yeah, he he also he did He-Man, he did the real Ghostbusters, he did the Mr. T cartoon. So yeah, this this guy, uh, nice, interesting, because right, he did miniatures on this and then went up becoming a storyboard artist. Kind of going back to New World Venice, um, when I was trying to do a little bit of research, I had come across, uh, and actually he's got a credit here to uh, RJ Keezer, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Uh, and we've referenced this page a few times. It's the EFNYLAPage.com. It's basically the Escape from New York and LA page, a tribute to Snake Pliskin. Uh, so there is an article with RJ on there. Um, and he specifically uh, talks about some of the work that uh, he did uh, with New World and saying that, you know, the special effects company was contracted for 22 shots. It took 21 weeks. Um there's this really kind of interesting anecdote about like him and James Cameron and somebody else going onto the observation deck of the World Trade Center at the time. And they were they brought a bunch of like pro equipment to basically take photos to just kind of get like reference shots. And basically, like they were told that the observation deck view was copyrighted, which they were like, what? Hmm. And eventually they got chewed away by guards, but basically. <laughs> You know, and I know we talked about this way back in the day because I was like, you can totally land something in here. And you're like, no, you cannot. <laughs> and, it, and he especially talks about you cannot land a glider because one of the things he was saying that they noticed as soon as they walked onto the observation deck of the World Trade Center was uh, it was physically impossible. The North Tower has a huge TV and radio antenna on top of it. The South Tower, where the observation deck was, had a rooftop covered with air ducts and pipes and motors for air conditioning and elevators. Plus, there was the observation deck itself only went all around the South Tower. And then his comment at the end was, well, it's only a movie. So I was kind of like, we can totally do this. But in actuality, no, there's a ton of shit up there and it was never going to happen. So, <laughs> uh, But RJ's done a bunch of uh, work. And I feel like we made this like showgirls joke like a couple episodes back. But this guy legit was doing you know dialogue and sound production and did that on showgirls uh the x-men movies <laughs> daredevil fantastic four rise of the silver surfer deadpool inception uh dark knight rises wolverine passengers dark phoenix so a bunch of you know marvelish stuff as well pretty impressive career yes very much so do you guys have any other individuals you wanted to call out in this minute uh, i've hit the end of my list okay same here. Daniel, where can people find you out in the inter interwebs and or is there anything that you would like to promote while you're on our show? Other than chock full of nuts. Other than chock Other full of nuts. <laughs> um, well, in my spare time, uh, I do run a website, uh, comicsbulletin.com. Uh, we're one of the longest running comic book websites. Uh, we've been around since 2000. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, so we're... Uh, you know, we're, we're coming up on our 20th year, so um, it's a pretty exciting time for us. Um, you know, we've had a lot of new faces rotate in and out over the years, um, but really it's just a, it's a work of passion. So, you know, a, a, everything that we do on that site is just because people care and just want to write. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And you know, that's, that's something that we hope to continue to do going forward. So that's, uh, that's where you can find me. Well, if you're doing anything like that, any type of project that you've done for yeah. 20 years and people are willing to collaborate on says a lot well, about the quality and the care. So, Well, I, I must confess, I, I've only been part of the team there for the last five or six years, I'd say. Um, it started well before me. Um, mm. I've just recently taken it over because the previous owner of it wanted to move on. And I was like, well, I'm going to do my best to keep it alive. So Aww. still around, still chugging, and we're going to still be around and chugging for the foreseeable future. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And hey, who knows better than Movies by Minute pot hosts about doing something just because you love doing it. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at NY Minute Pod. Also, Facebook group Brains Library to escape from New York Minute Hangout. And with that, be on time, stay out of the sewers, and we'll meet you on the other side of the wall. Mm-hmm.